0: Alright, so we are in a series called Polarized And in this series, kind of the heart of what we're looking at in this series is how um, We live in a very divided world, and yet Jesus calls us to live as one And the question is, how how do we do that? How do we live as one in a polarized, divided world? Our world is divided, and it always has been, always has been polarized Always will be polarized over different things um, we are polarized on just about everything you can imagine polar, Polarized over politics, polarized over COVID, polarized over face masks, polarized over vaccines po- Polarized over race, polarized how to respond to racism We're, we're polarized over all kinds of different things and, and yet here we are called to live as, as one And uh, we have an option as a church When it comes to living in a polarized world we can either just go along with the flow of the world and be polarized ourselves and divided ourselves or we can go, we're going to live differently. You see, Jesus prayed for, for oneness in the church. He prayed that we would love one another. He prayed that, that we would be, be one, like Shane mentioned, as Him and the Father are one. And, uh, and Jesus said that when we live that way, people would know that He was sent from God. So they would know who Jesus is when the church lives as one. Um, one theologian, his name is E.A. Bloom He wants to say it like this He said, with the formation of the church The history of the world has become in a sense A tale of two cities You have the city of God That's us, and you have the city of man There's two kingdoms, there's the kingdom of God And, and there's the kingdoms of this world And we are called As the church, to be Different, to, to live as light To live as set apart And one of the key ways that we're called to do that Is to, to live as, as one not be divided, to not be polarized, but to live as one. And and over the years, over the centuries, the church has had different moments where they've done a great job of living as one, and they've had moments where they've done a not-so-great job of living as one. And this morning, we're actually going to be spending most of our morning uh, looking at a, a period in the church's history where they didn't do such a great job of living as one. And we're going to be hanging out for most of the morning in 1 Corinthians in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to jump right into it right away here. It goes like this This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sothenes. I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God. To be his own holy people. So there you see it again. We're, we're called by God to be his holy people, a kingdom of God set apart. He goes on to say, He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord, and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So let me get, just give you a little bit of context to what's happening here. Paul the Apostle is known as uh, really the first uh, Key missionary in the life of the church He was the first guy really responsible To take the good news of Jesus That had mostly been in the the surrounding area Around Jerusalem Paul takes that message He's transformed by Jesus And he takes that message out to the surrounding countries and regions And one of the major cities of the day That he visited Was the city of Corinth And Corinth was a city that Was very very self-centered They valued status They valued power It was a city that had great wealth. It was a city that for that that day, they had just about every luxury that you can imagine. Um, The Corinthian people, they worshipped wealth like it was a god. Uninhibited, sinful pleasure lurking around every every corner. It was all about doing whatever you could do to increase your own status, to increase your own fame, to increase your own own wealth, your own pleasure, your your enjoyment. It It was really all about Me, all about self, the person in the mirror. As one historian put it, it was a culture obsessed with each promoting their own accomplishments and possessions in order to win the praise of others. Does this culture sound vaguely familiar to anybody? We are obsessed with money. We love having status. We long for the the lives of the rich and the famous. Pick any town or city in America, and it could be Corinth. Corinth is a godless, self-centered city. And what I love about God is He does not abandon the city. No, instead, God loves this city of Corinth like He loves our city. He loves the city of Corinth. And so what does He do? He raises up a man named Paul, and He sends Paul to Corinth to take the gospel to, to these people. And when Paul preaches and he teaches, a crazy thing happens. People believe in Jesus, and they begin following Him. And in Paul's letter to this new church... You, you can just hear how he's just so thankful for the people of Corinth. He's so thankful for the work that God is doing in the people of Corinth. And so he continues to write, saying, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await For the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus comes or returns. God will do this, for He is faithful to do what He says, and He has invited you into partnership with His Son Jesus Christ our Lord. And I would love to just stop right here for a minute because this is so, so important for us. As we're gonna read in in just a minute. The church of Corinth that Paul is writing to here has some issues. In fact, if we were to read the whole book of 1 Corinthians, we would see that the church of Corinth has some major issues. And is Paul here worried? No, he is full of confidence. Not a confidence that that rests in his own leadership ability... To get the church through Not a confidence that rests in the people's ability To kind of pull through all these issues No, he has a confidence That rests on God's ability To work in and through his church He says things like He will keep you strong to the end God will do this Not God might do this No, he says God will do this Why? Because he's faithful to do what he says Now, if in case you've missed it The church is in a Pretty strange place these days. All the upheaval of the last two years has, has left us fragmented, it's left us wounded, and if we were really honest, it's actually left us a little bit lost. At our last um, our last council meeting that we had, I read some depressing stats to the team um, just about how um, um, the uh the church as a whole in America is is losing. Fewer people are attending church than ever. Um, Including those attending online Um, I actually just heard another Very depressing example this last week Of how the church is not doing good Just of how there's, there's a very 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 high number Of pastors that are Like on the brink of throwing in the towel If we were A football team It might seem like We're on the side that's losing. We're heading into the locker room at halftime, down 30, 35 points, not really too excited about heading out on the field in the second half. And maybe you find yourself in a situation like this in life. Maybe your marriage might be on the brink of dying. Maybe your kids have grown up, and they're just wandering away from Jesus. Maybe the numbers in the bank account are getting really, really small. You're not sure how you're going to pay the bills. Maybe that ministry that God's called you to, that dream that He put on your heart, it just seems like it's getting... Uh, Fainter and fainter and fainter all the time And our confidence Might be at an all time low And if we look to ourselves And look at how our own ability is failing You know it's going to It will cause us to lose heart and become discouraged But what we need to do instead Is be like Paul And fix our eyes On Jesus And be able to say with confidence God will keep us strong To the end God will do this For he is faithful He always has been faithful And he always will be faithful Amen That's the God we serve Eventually Paul After he, he starts Plants this church And God's doing some awesome stuff in Corinth Paul leaves He goes off on uh, some, some other missionary journeys And then he comes back And then he actually When he comes back He settles down for 18 months And then eventually he leaves again and uh, when he takes off, though, he begins receiving reports about things in Corinth that just aren't going super well. And so in this letter, he starts off by helping them see who it is that's going to get them through these challenging times. He helps them see it's God. God's faithful. God's going to keep you strong. And then he gets straight to the issues. Doesn't waste any time in this letter. He just, boom, gets right to the point. And the first issue that he brings up is the, the polarization the division that's happening in, in this church And he writes, writes this, he says I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ To live in harmony with each other Let there be no divisions in the church Rather be of one mind United in thought and purpose For some members of Chloe's household Have told me about your quarrels My dear brothers and sisters Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul Others are saying, I follow Apollos Others are saying I follow Peter or I follow only Christ So what's happening here in Corinth is that rather than living as the city of God in the city of man They are actually blending right in with the world and they are being divided And as the letter proceeds we see that the vision in this church was actually so wide That there were people that were they had lawsuits against each other over some of the issues that they were upset about And uh we see, though, that, that really what's dividing them is the, the social stratification of the congregations. You see, for, for most of the first three centuries of the church, the church didn't meet in places like this. They didn't have fancy sound systems and full-on bands and rows of chairs just nightly, nicely laid out. They didn't have any of that stuff. For, for most of the three centuries of the church, the first three centuries, they met in people's homes. And... They were one church, but meeting in all these different places. And and as a result, divisions could easily arise. Divisions between the rich and the poor. Divisions between those who valued status and those who didn't. Divisions around ethnic backgrounds. And even divisions around which leader they were following. Some people were saying they followed Paul. Others that they followed Peter. Others that they followed Apollos. And then you had the religious crowd come along and gloat about how, hey, we only follow jesus which sounds good but in reality that's not really how god designed his church he designed it, all of us to be under leadership whether that's a pastor or a mentor and if you imagine that this whole scenario playing out today in in, in this church you can see how it would quickly escalate into a crisis you'll know, just imagine that a large group in our church were to say yeah i i i don't follow rich i i follow john garner John Garner's the bomb. Rich, man, any guy that would dress up in a black wig and glasses for Halloween, I'm not, not following that dude. And then you have another group come along and say, I don't follow Rich or John. Man, I'm all about following. I, I follow Augie, man. He's got, that, he's got that sweet car. He's got that sweet car that has the hydraulics. Man, Rich drives his old truck. I follow Augie. By the way, everybody, it's Augie's birthday today. Happy birthday, Augie. But then you have another group that comes along and says, I don't follow any of those, those people. I follow the lady that has the taco on her head. I'm all about following Heather. You know, she knows how to throw all these great parties in her barn. Those other guys, deadheads, I'm, I'm, I follow Heather. And meanwhile, you have the super spiritual group come along and say, I don't follow any of those guys. I only follow Jesus. Hallelujah. That's, he's the bomb. And eventually, what would happen the, is that you would have these clicks. Clicks would begin to, to form within the church around which leader was people's favorite leader. You'd have the John Club over here, the Augie Club over here, the Rich Club over here, the Heather Club over here. And it, it wouldn't be a good thing. And believe it or not, this kind of division, this kind of clicky division, can easily form in the church if we're not careful. It can easily form in this church. Let's, let's not just talk about the church out there. Let's bring it right home, right down home for a second, you can form in this church. You know, that old adage often holds true that the birds of the feather or feather will flock together. And pretty soon we can be dividing around socioeconomic lines. You know, there's all those who have their financial ducks in a row, and there's all those that don't. We can find ourselves dividing along educational lines. I'll just, I'll just only hang out with people that have their, their college degree, and I'll just hang out with people that don't have their college degree. We can find ourselves dividing along lines of ethnicity. Um, We only connect with those who look like us, talk like us, enjoy the same foods and customs as us. And this is what's happening in the church of Corinth. And Paul does not mince words here at all, does he? He says, let there be no divisions in the church. Zero. He doesn't give any space. He leaves no room there for any kind of division, does he? He says, let there be no divisions in the church. Which when you consider... How diverse just this church, look at our church, how diverse and how different we all are can make you stop and go, okay, is that even possible that there be no divisions in the church whatsoever? And, and hidden within these words that Paul wrote to the church, we see that yes, it is possible, and this is how. And here's the big key. I'm going to give you the big key for this morning, the big key point to know today. If we're going to live as one in a way that makes the church stand out in the world as the city of God, we have to stop seeing ourselves as only being individuals and begin seeing ourselves as family. We have to stop seeing ourselves as as only individuals. Because we are individuals. We have our own tastes, and we have our own backgrounds, and who, who God's made us unique, uniquely to be. But we have to stop seeing ourselves as only that and begin seeing ourselves as family. Did you notice how Paul addresses the church of Corinth? I mean, we we've saw it twice here, just in the passage that we read this morning. He refers to them as brothers and sisters, a phrase that he would repeat over and over and over again as he's writing this church in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, and then in the book of 2 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters. He's using these, using these familial terms. On another occasion when he was encouraging the church in Galatia, another place that he was a missionary to, um, he's encouraging them to do good to all people, and it, he especially encouraged them to do good to those who belong to the family, the family, the family of believers. You know, often we have the wrong picture of what the church is, and that wrong picture actually leads to self-centeredness, which in turn opens the door to division. You know, we see the church like we would see a group of people attending the Regal Cinema for a movie. Um, by the way, does anybody even go to the movies anymore? It's been Yeah, okay, there you go. All right, all right. But we see the church as, as a, a bunch of people with their own individual preferences... You, know, you have some of those that like the popcorn and some of those that don't like popcorn. I'm in the popcorn crowd. I love it like so drenched with butter. It's borderline soggy. That's me. You have those that attend the theater. They like to be right in the middle with, with, with the rail there. Hey, Dallas, where they can put their feet up on the rail. And, and then you have the other people like to be in the makeout section in the back. Yeah? Hey, babe. Okay. And then, then, <laughs> and then you have people that like it really, really loud in there, and then other people that just like it to be, to be quiet. And you have all these different groups of people, but then at the end of the movie, we, we all file out, and we all go our, our own separate ways. We don't have to get to know each other. We don't have to work together. We don't have to do life together. We don't even have to care for one another. We're just a bunch of individuals showing up to an event together and then living our own separate individual lives. The church is not called to be like that church is a family the church is a family it's a group of people who are connected designed by god to love one another to care for one another and to work together towards a common goal the lifting up of the name of jesus in this world in which we live and and i know that when when some of you maybe hear the the phrase family maybe you're thinking oh man that doesn't that doesn't speak to me about connection at all you're going, when I think of family, man, I think of my own family background. I think of brokenness. I think of dysfunction. I think of division. Um, some of my family haven't even spoken for years. The walls are up, and they're very, very high. And yes, families can be divided, but that was never God's plan. It was never God's plan. That's a result of sin. But, but here's the thing. Even with the, the division that happens in families, um, at the end of the day, you're still family. They, they still have a piece of your heart. The same blood that flows through your veins flows through, through, through their veins. And get this. When it comes to the church, we don't have the same blood flowing through our veins. That's not what makes us family. But what we do have is, is we have something else in common flowing through us that's actually much, much deeper and a much more connective, powerful force and even have the same blood flowing through us you and me we have the same spirit living inside of us the spirit of Christ that lives in me is the same spirit that lives in Becky and Jess and Susie and Augie and Larry and Dallas that's the same spirit that lives in all of us the same spirit And that makes us family on a level that is much more binding, much more uniting than even if we had the same blood running through us. Later in in his letter to the the church of Corinth, Paul would would say it like this. He said, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and, and here's the key line, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. In other words, we all have the same spirit. We're family. We're all part of the same body of Christ. We all have the same spirit living in us, and we are all serving the same God. There's a oneness, a sameness, even though we're a family that's made up of so many different and diverse parts. One. When I was getting ready for this series, I came across this article by a man named Gordon Lindsay. He's this, like, seasoned teacher of the Bible. And uh, he wrote this article titled, and this is what made it pop up in my, my Google search. The article is titled, A Biblical Antidote to Polarization. And in the article, he talked about the, the moment in Israel's history. So the, the Israelites were, God led them out of of Egypt and just to lead them out And they, they go out and, and they end up wandering in the wilderness For 40 years before they, they The whole goal is to get to the promised land right? But they're wandering in the, the, the desert Because of their, their sin Well eventually they reach the moment Where they're about to enter the promised land Only Moses Their beloved leader is, As well as his entire generation Is not going to be going with them Into the promised land Uh, Moses will be handing off the reins to his young apprentice, uh, a guy named Joshua. And so as Moses kind of prepares the people of Israel for that day when there's the changing of the guards, he delivers this very lengthy address to the people. And in part of his address, he gives instructions on how they're to educate their children. And he prepares them for this because Moses knows that at some point, their sons and daughters are going to ask some questions about all these laws and regulations that are being passed along and and he knows that it when they they ask the questions that it it might go something like this they might ask like this what what is the meaning of the stipulations decrees and laws the lord our god has commanded you and i don't know how how you hear that that question but within that question there is potential for polarization. And I imagine a snarky teenager Asking their parents the question And maybe I see it through this lens Because I've got a few teenagers Around the house and have had this But I kind of imagine a snarky teenager Saying what's with all these Commands that God has commanded You What's with all these commands And hidden in the question it's like the child is saying What's with all the laws He sure hasn't commanded me He's commanded you It's your faith it's your tradition it's it's your customs it's not mine and if you've got kids you've you've had moments like this with your kids like i've had with my kids where it, it, the the question is asked or the statement is made that that's how you did things but it's it's not how i'm going to be doing things with my life and the question is really a trap if the dad engages in debate at this moment the conversation will sink into polarization and argument. The dad risks alienating his son. It's like Moses anticipates this. And so, listen to how Moses counsels parents to respond to the question what's with all these commands that God's given you? He says, When they ask about the commands, tell them we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. And if we are careful to obey all this law, before the Lord our God as he has commanded us that will be our righteousness do you see what just happened the parent says hey hey, wait, wait a second this isn't my story this is our story it's our story we're, we're family we're the same this is our story and he, challenged, he challenges the potential division and polarization not through debate and that option's open to him here he doesn't challenge it through argument. He challenge it, challenges it through sharing what they have in common. They have the same story because they are family. And if we're to live as one, we the church, of many parts like Paul wrote, many backgrounds, many ideas, many opinions, many values, many interests, if we're to live as one in, in a divided world, we need to realize that, that we are family A family that has the same story. We were lost. We talked about last week. We were lost in desperate, desperate need of the undeserved grace of God, and He found us. It's the same story, and we have the same Spirit living inside of us, speaking to us, leading us, and all that makes us part of the same family. The blood-bought children of God, sons and daughters, all of us, of the Most High God. And when we embrace that, when we live that, it shuts the door to polarization and opens the door for us to have an incredible oneness in Christ. And we'll be able to follow the way of Christ as described in Ephesians. Listen to what, what Paul wrote to the church and challenged the church with. And we're going to close with this this morning as a challenge to each of us as we recognize that we're one in Christ, a family. He says this, Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father. We need your help God, we need your help God, we are, are so, so aware, God Of our tendency, Jesus To polarize God, to just fixate on what we want To fixate on our ideas Our opinions about things And to just um, God, just to, just to go the polar opposite direction Of someone who thinks differently than us God, we're so aware of our tendency to do that. God, if we're honest, we God, we do that even, God, when we, at, at times we don't even realize we're doing it. But God, we just gradually drift further and further and further and further apart. And Lord, I just believe that even today, God, you're you're wanting to show us, God, how there's there's moments in our own lives where where we do that, God, even with, within our own church, God, our experience of being a part of this this family of believers, God, there's there 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 are ways that we have done that and Jesus I just want to ask that God right here in this moment Lord we've just heard from your word about how we're family we all have the same spirit living in us Lord I pray that in this moment you would speak to us Holy Spirit if there are if there are ways that we have pushed our brother and sister in Christ away God whether that's been intentional or whether it's just unintentional there's division that has has, has creeped into our hearts. God, maybe it's a contempt that we have for somebody, God, who sees things different, differently than us. God, maybe it's, maybe it's even gone so far to become a, a hate towards someone who sees things differently than us or who acts differently than us or who looks differently than us. Holy Spirit, would you just convict us right now in this moment? God, let a spirit of conviction God, just sweep through each one of us, God, here in this moment and show us, Lord, how we've done that. Lord, there's ways that we are, God, rather than, uh, God, rather than, like we read in, in Ephesians there, God, rather than humbly working together and looking to others' interest. God, being about others more than ourselves, God, if there's, if there's ways that we haven't done that, God, I pray that you would show us that to too. And, and Lord, in this moment, may we just have a coming back to you And saying, yes, Jesus, Lord, we want to be all about God living as one. God, I pray over our church that there would be no divisions. God, what a high call you've you've given us as a church to be a church where there's no divisions. But instead, there's a love, there's a grace, there's a a humble posture towards one another. God, help us to do that, I pray. And God, not not for our sake. But God, for the sake of your name, God, for the sake of your name, Jesus, you are not divided. You are not divided. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not divided. God, for the sake of your name, may we live as one. God, that your name might be lifted high. God, that your name might be lifted high in our church. God, that your name might be lifted high in our city, our county, our nation. God, let your name be lifted high, because Because of the love, God, that we have for one another. I pray all these things in your name, Jesus. And if you agree, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Hey, why don't you stand with us? We're going to close off with one last song here. I just encourage you as you leave today, have the question on your heart. God, what do you want me to do to, to just be a part of this? to be, God, how can I help us as a church live as a family? God, how can I move us towards that? God, how do you want me to love somebody? How do you want me to encourage somebody? How do you want me to to maybe just listen and try to understand another side of whatever that issue might be? God, how do you want me to to help this family live as one? And then go and, and, and live that out. Maybe this afternoon, grab a hold of Ephesians chapter 4 and just meditate on that. Ask Jesus some questions. Lord, how do you want me to live this out in my my home, in our church? And then let's, let's say yes to Jesus. Let's live that out. Amen? Amen. God bless.